0: Available on 2B TV. Bigfoot the Legend is Real. The ultimate Bigfoot documentary is now playing on 2B TV and features some awesome witness interviews as well as some amazing Bigfoot evidence. That's Bigfoot the Legend is Real, look for it on 2B TV. Now playing with no paying, watch for free on 2B TV. Also available on Amazon, the Roku channel, and Plex TV.
1: friends they says hey what are you listening to over there and I say hey i'm over here now listening to the diego and devore show you hear i hear
0: oh! pro wrestling paranormal and all things entertainment from parts unknown way unknown here they are lord everett devore and co-host diego they are the diego and devore show all right welcome to another episode of the diego and devore show unfortunately our good friend lord everett devore Having major technical difficulties, which happens an awful lot when we cover subjects such as these, as we had um, last time with when Paranormal Investigator Jimmy Boots was on. Several weird things happened during that show, and we talked about that during the show and after the show. And also, we had Squatch Detective Steve Coles when he was on. Lord Ever could not join us on that one, too, for... Several reasons, and then I was having my own technical difficulties as today with my microphone, my Amazon Fire Stick going to hell, the remote exploded in my hand somehow, and the Fire Stick overheated. They said you're eligible for an upgrade for a 4K Amazon Fire Stick. Coincidence? Maybe not. We'll leave it at that. So tonight I have a very special guest tonight. As you all know, we get into a lot of different subjects during the show, and one of them is a lot of it's cryptozoology. You consider it paranormal, UFOs or anything in that realm, we're going to bring it to you now. So we're going to break it down to we're going to call the cryptozoology 101. For those of you who aren't familiar with the subject, tonight I have a good friend of the show, Thomas Markham. Not only is an author, but he just released a DVD, Bigfoot, The Legend is Real. So we're going to get down to it because we're in a bit of a time crunch so, Thomas, thank you for being on the show. Sorry for making you wait for so long. It seems like we had our own pre-show for about an
1: hour before we even started. Uh, thanks for having me on the show. It was, uh, yeah, the pre-show we did, we had some some interesting conversation. We had some interesting things happen, too, which was kind of odd. And, you know, it's true about that. Because so, we talked about the microphone, and you
0: said... Uh... I started sounding like Alvin from Alvin and the Chipmunks, and then I had to break out the old beginner's microphone and rigged it really well, so hopefully you can hear me very good over there.
1: You sound okay.
0: sound good. Let, let's begin for those who are new to the subject, and I have a very big interest in all things like this, so let's do the 101 an introduction. What is cryptozoology, and, and what is the um, common misconceptions about it? so that the listener can have a fresh set of ears and not be influenced by what they've seen on TV or heard through other people?
1: Well, for me, cryptozoology is basically the study of hidden animals. Uh, A lot of animals that we know today were at one point considered uh, a myth, uh, considered a legend. But over time through research, you know, they were discovered. Now our biggest problem with using the word cryptozoology is that the word crypto is associated with currency. And so you get a whole lot of people who come to a cryptozoology website or page and they want to hit you up about buying some bitcoins or something like that. So that's kind of the, uh, a thing that we have to deal with now that we didn't have to deal with, you know, several years ago. Cryptozoology takes in a lot of territories as far as uh, hidden animals. Some people even put UFOs and aliens and things like that also in this field. And some like to separate the paranormal out of it, and some don't. So it's kind of a personal preference on that.
0: Right. So the website is TheCryptoCrew.com. You're the founder and the leader of this crew, and I know that you've had several members come and go. So when somebody logs on to your page, they want to find out more. So what are some of the more interesting subjects they can find there? Because I know you have a lot of books
1: as well. Uh, Correct. Uh, Well, we cover a lot of things. I even like to do... Sometimes I like to do stuff on on, on missing persons. Uh, I actually made a film on uh, the Dennis Martin case where he went, the little boy went missing in the the smoke, Great Smoky Mountains. Uh, I actually won a a little small award for that film. And that's a very interesting case. But if you go to our website, we've got topics ranging from anybody from UFOs to unknown sounds from space, Bigfoot, Dogman, Mothman. We cover a wide range of topics because there's a whole lot of stuff out there that we just don't know about, and it takes researchers and witnesses coming forward to for us to learn more and uh, put another piece in the puzzle. Right, so interesting because we talked
0: about earlier that
1: your main expertise
0: or main interest is Bigfoot. I've noticed that just like in the early 2000s when they come out with a lot of shows about the paranormal, there seems to be... A good amount of Bigfoot or Sasquatch investigation shows and series out there. So what's triggering the I wouldn't say Southern interest, but reintroduction to this subject? Because when I was a kid growing up in the 70s and 80s, that was kind of a big thing. And it kind of just kind of died off. And now it's kind of a, be a resurgence of the subject. So what's bringing this back to life?
1: Well, I think the uh, the invention of social media has really helped witnesses to connect over time. And it has brought more witnesses forward. And the base for the Bigfoot community has really grown. I know when I was, for years I did research, but I didn't really put anything out publicly. In fact, I didn't even realize that the Bigfoot community was so large. Uh, but once social media come around, of course, and you start putting more things out there, you understand that it's growing. More people are now sharing stories and more people are open to the possibility that, yes, there is a you know a large creature hiding in our forest this country as big as it
0: is and i know we have a lot of populated areas we also have a lot of areas to where if i could say that nobody stepped into yet because there's so many miles of uncharted territory that you know maybe there is something there that we haven't seen yet
1: Uh, yeah i think so too i know here in my area in southeastern kentucky uh many years ago I, i was a logger and we cut timber that had not been cut in a hundred years or more. So in a hundred years or more, there's really not been very many people in, in this area that we was in. So, you know, we've got, it's very large around here. Uh, we we connect into the Pine Mountain Range, which runs all the way down into like Georgia. Uh, it's a very uh, mysterious mountain range where there's been a lot of activity, everything from UFOs to goblins to Bigfoot. And so uh, there's just a lot of unexplored territory out there. It's a lot bigger when you actually have to walk it on foot. Uh, not to mention that there, we, in this area we have numerous amounts of caves, uh, old mine openings and things like that that connect into the caves and other mine openings, and they can go for miles and come out, you know, a totally different area. Right, and for
0: a person who's not trained into doing these things, I suggest they don't go in there because they might not come out.
1: Right. I actually had some friends when I was young uh, they had went into no opening and got lost and there was like a week or two weeks in there and they just about you know just about starved out but they was able to find the opening and dig their way out but uh i think they had some uh some potted meat and stuff like that with them so, so if that had been for that they might not have made it
0: i mean it takes a lot of courage to even go out into the woods just for camping itself because just for animals that we know exist you know no less things we don't know exist so let let's stick with the bigfoot theme for a second so we were talking earlier in the show and i know we're trying to cram a lot of information in here but i i think it'll benefit the listeners to hear the story so we talked about some evidence or some bones that were found there seems to be always a common theme to when any major discoveries made that's either considered if it's not paranormal if it's of ancient times where there's giants bones of large animals Possible Nephilim, possible giants. When, hence, one group comes in to investigates, but these items always vanish. A similar story with these, uh, the finding of these bones. If you could just tell us, tell me that story one more
1: time. Okay. Uh, well, this is this comes from uh, one of our local historians, a guy I know I knew real well. He actually was in our in one of my films and and told this story, but I'd already heard the story before from him privately. But he sadly has passed away now due to cancer, but uh, a lot of knowledge died when he did. But how the story goes, this guy went out early one morning. Uh, I think he was going squirrel hunting or maybe deer hunting, and it wasn't daylight yet. So he backed up to this big tree and sat down on what he thought was a pile of sticks, a pile of brush. Well, as it got daylight, he noticed that the sticks were not actually sticks, but they were bones. And so They got people. He took some of the bones out and they got some other people in there and, you know, looked around for the bones. And uh, they took the bones to the Pineville Hospital, Pineville, Kentucky. And uh, Dr. Golden was able to assemble five skeletons, separate skeletons. Uh, Most of them were basically complete, but all of them were missing their head. And the femurs Femur bones were like three to four times as large as a human femur, femur bone. Uh, like I said, the heads were missing, and the theory was that the heads had been kind of rounded, that they had rolled into the river because the Cumberland River is right there below where these were found. And uh, after he got all these bones uh, laid out, they eventually sent them to the Smithsonian. Well, a few years later, they inquired about the bones. Well, they had no record of the bones. So over several years, they kept inquiring about where the bones were, where the bones were, and the Smithsonian finally told them, said, well, what we did, we split all the skeletons up and put one bone in one place and one in another, and that's why we can't find them, which to me doesn't make sense. If you've got a skeleton that's almost complete, you don't separate it. You keep it together. That's just how, how it works, in my opinion. Basically, they called it a, a cataloging
0: issue. Correct. I mean, there's an awful lot of money that gets spent for research and for them to have these several museums. And I think they'd be smart enough to, you know, keep it together. It's not like they're investigating the of Turin and they just cut little pieces of it and say, oh, we don't know where it went. I mean, come on, you know, you have this thing. So what's the significance of, and we talked about this as well, and a lot of this is review for us. So the purpose of hiding these artifacts, what's well, the benefit to it? How can, why would it even, why would it hurt anybody to know that, yeah, this is possibly
1: true? Why hide it? Well, that is one of the uh, million-dollar questions, I suppose. But if you think about it in this term, that what if the Bigfoot people are an indigenous people to this land? If they were, and it was provable, and they are, which I know they're intelligent, they would fall under having the same rights as any other indigenous people that lived here. Maybe that's a reason. Uh, Maybe another reason could possibly be that they feel that if The truth was known that, yes, you know, there's beings living in our forest, that it would devastate the logging industry, and it would uh, devastate the camping and hiking industry. So maybe that could be a reason. The thing is, the government is very secretive about things like that, and that's something we probably will never know.
0: With these beings, and I talked to several people about this, so I'd like to get your view because a popular theory is that they're actually descendants from Apes, some would say that these beings are descendants from giants, or for Nephilim, for those who get into theology, you know, what's your take on what is the common theme of the relation to you know, if they're giants, are they apes, or are they some sort of lost cousin of humans?
1: Well, there's a lot of theories that surround that. There's three theories that actually come out of the Bible, which is the fallen angels. And you got the cane, and you got the uh, uh, the other one escapes me. I can't think of it, but I'll come back to it. Okay. There's actually three three theories three three theories about that, which I don't think none of those are actually correct. Uh, my opinion is that they're they are, they are a type of people, not necessarily a human, but a type of people that were here probably before we were.
0: With the Earth being populated with these beings, so short of a some sort of catastrophic thing of a meteor or diseases or the landscape of the earth changing because of how the continents were broken up after several times. So what, what caused their numbers to die down? Was it a food supply? What was it that,
1: that shrunk the numbers of these beings? Uh, okay. The other theory also was the Esau theory. So I not know if i come back to it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, I would say probably it was uh, the disease. Most likely it was a combination of disease and catastrophic events you know uh volcanoes floods that type thing but i think the numbers right now are probably uh more than what people actually realize i know here in my area i know where at least three different groups of of the sasquatch people are uh my main research area a long ways away from two other areas where i know that they are so i you know i don't think it's the same group Mm-hmm. And the physical characteristics, of the color-wise, has also been is different on some of them. So I think the numbers are pretty good right now, and we know to have a healthy population, you got to have a healthy breathing population. So yeah. So
0: well, let's dive into that because I know we, when I spoke to this, prior somebody, their heart was set on. No, they're directly descendants of apes, which is fine if that's the theory. They want to go down and they're the experts. You know, I'll take their word for it. Now, much like I've learned about UFOs to where, and I'm not making a Bigfoot UFO connection, but what I'm trying to say is just like there's different species of UFOs, whether it's the grays, the tall whites, ones that they are hairy, they're short, they're tall. With Bigfoot, what is, are there different species of a Bigfoot, you because around the world are called something different, but they're also the witnesses. The way they describe these beings are very, very different as far as what they say they look like.
1: Well, I think they uh, they vary a lot, like uh, like humans do. If you if you know that uh, me and you look considerably different, if if we seen different Bigfoot from different clans that, raised, uh, that were in a different region. A lot of times people do look different. And uh, I know some people like to categorize Bigfoot into several different subspecies, but I don't think we know enough actually about them yet to do that. Uh, I'm more comfortable saying that they are a primate, and I'm more comfortable saying that I know they look different. Uh, I do not think a, uh, they are a descendant of John blackeye. black eye. Uh, furthermore, I don't even think we have a whole lot of good evidence, really, for Johnapithecus. We all we've got is some bone fragments, a few teeth fragments, and one uh, jawbone. And those are none of that was found in North America that I'm aware of. Most of it was just, just found, you know, in other places. So Bigfoot do look different. Uh, I, in my area here, our predominant color is black. The fur, the hair is black, but we also have reports of white ones brown ones and some it's kind of reddish, uh, different varying sizes. Uh, I personally have seen one that was, it was uh, black as black could get. It was approximately 10 foot tall, seen it in the daytime, no obstructed view, light snow on the ground, Uh, but that's predominantly, that's are they're between six and seven foot tall is what reports I get in my area. And uh, black is the predominant color.
0: We talk about the area is so big; it, it would take a lifetime, two or three lifetimes, to even explore everything, you know, and, and map it out. So, as far as their dwellings or where they're living, what do you think? How, how do they function? Because I mean, I'm sure there's caves in there that we don't see. They're underground caverns. They could very well have villages in there, and they're very well camouflaged, where we can't even see them through. I guess the technology we use to find animals in the forest, you know, you have your cameras, imagery from aircraft. So how is it that they can hide themselves from humans so good?
1: Well, I think it's going to vary again by region. Uh, Like here in my region, of course, we have our forests are pretty dense. We do have caves. Uh, We have a lot of uh, pine trees and things like that, which gives good cover. In other areas, maybe where they don't have caves and such, I'm sure they build shelters. I found uh, things myself that where they have built and constructed that would be, I don't know if you would stay a winter in them, but you could get out of the hot sun, you you know, relax for a while. And I I do think the government knows about them uh, with the satellite technology. It would be almost impossible for the government not to know about them. But the the question is, why, why do they hide it from us, and why do they put out this information? Because uh, I personally feel like there's things that go on in the Bigfoot community to just keep the water muddy, to keep people doubting and saying, well, I told you it was just a hoax, but... Once you actually see one of these beings, or you hear one of them talk, I've actually had the uh, had the experience of hearing them speak. They have a language. They have a, a family type unit. I've, I've took taken in reports here locally of a mother and a young offspring that you know, of course, big enough to walk. Uh, males by themselves. Uh, I mean, they're they, they got a family type structure, and they're very intelligent enough to speak. So I'm sure they know how to uh, stay hidden. And I'm sure that is a skill that is passed down probably through speech on how to stay hidden from people like me <laughs> while I'm out in the woods.
0: Oh, no, yeah, I mean that totally makes sense because so let's
1: talk about communications because some
0: of the popular things I've seen or were the audio recordings or on on television, where at several of these shows where they'll lack a better words, like you know there's duck calls. So there's people out there that know how to make these calls like a Bigfoot sounds there's been um those that say they communicate through knocking on tree trunks you've been out there you've been on the you've been at this for a very long time you've been out there searching yourself and other than hearing them in their language or the way they speak what other ways do they communicate as far as saying oh i sense danger
1: or try to scare you off well now i've heard them do tree knocks before Uh, i've actually had them do tree knocks very close to me Uh, i know they throw rocks they'll make uh, a whooping sound a whoop Mm -hmm. i've actually had them uh, holler at me several times but from a greater distance but uh, overall i'm not the most i guess the most uh, frightful i've been was when the first time i heard them talk it was after a uh, after a sighting actually a sighting my dad had, I got into this area and I was setting up a game camera and I heard this voice talking, but it was just far enough away that I really couldn't make out any words, even if it was speaking, you know, something I could understand. I couldn't couldn't make out the words, but it was definitely somebody speaking. And that was the most, uh, you know, frightful and scared I've been, but I've not had really no uh, times that I felt threatened or anything like that, and I've been in close proximity to them several times, but like you say, they do tree knocks, they'll do whoops, howls, they'll throw rocks, uh, you know, just typical stuff to try to frighten you away, and I've never had been, I've heard of people talk about this before, I've never had it happen to me, where they'll uh, they'll bluff charge, kind of like a gorilla would, or something like that, and you know, try to scare you off, I've never had that happen, and uh, that's probably good. (laughs) That's true because, hey, you don't have to tell me twice. If I see a
0: rock coming at me, I'm gone, baby. There's other things, too, because I've heard people that long before they even hear them or hear the tree knocks or anything like that, so there are certain a scent or smells unlike any other animal. Some people say some of them have a, like a skunk kind of smell or wet dog smell. So what's been your experience as far as the smells?
1: Well, uh, I don't have a real good sense of smell anyways. There's only been a very few occasions where I thought I smelled something. But according to historical reports, only about 10% of reports also report smelling a foul odor. So, you know, at least 90% where you're not going to smell anything. Uh, I've actually taken in uh, one report here locally uh, of one being in the creek. You know, the guy was walking on the railroad tracks. It's, you know, we live back in a very rural area. And this Bigfoot was in the creek splashing around. Now, what it was doing, I have no idea. But if they do get in the water, it would take away some of the scent uh, from the hot and the sweat and, you know, and stuff like that. So, But some people do say they smell a skunk odor. Some even say it's kind of like a wet dog or a, a, a suffer smell. I've never experienced that, uh, not to the point where I'm satisfied with saying, yeah, I smell a Sasquatch.
0: Keeping up with the cryptozoology theme, because we're doing like a one-on-one thing. So we also talked about not only Bigfoot, but we talked about, you mentioned Mothman, which is kind of a big thing here in West Virginia, because they had the, God forgive me for not knowing the name of the museum, but they have one in West Virginia, the Mothman Museum. I was just watching a special on Mothman on Amazon
1: Prime, so can you give us some insight on on that part of that study? Yeah, that was a point pleasant. Yeah. Yes. Well, I don't... uh, Point Pleasant, yeah, I don't know a whole lot of, about Mothman because, like I say, it's not um, some we don't really have in our area. Uh, it's feasible because there have been reports, and not just at Point Pleasant. There's been reports all all around the world of that type of thing. Some people say it's an omen of uh, bad things, you know, to happen. Uh But I think that's interesting. I have researched the Mothman some, and I find it uh, an interesting uh, cryptid tale. I don't know if I'd really want to see one or not, though. It seems pretty scary to me more than a Bigfoot. Yeah, because it
0: swoops down on you. You know, it's kind of it's hard to protect against something like that swooping on you. Cryptozoology, and we talked about hoaxes and how um, not necessarily the anatomy of a hoax, but the purpose of a hoax. So not only to maybe Help with tourism or to gain some real quick flash cash. But that's one of the things that I think in any industry when it comes to the paranormal, UFO, Bigfoot or Mothman, I think the industry suffers when people do these hoaxes. So what is one of the biggest hoaxes that you come
1: across? Well, you, you see a lot of hoaxed. Photos and stuff online and social media, even though it is it has its good points. It also has its bad points because you can post something fake or phony and you can literally send it to thousands and thousands of people at one time. And if you ever notice, it seems like the fake story is what always gets the news attention. I know several years ago we had a uh, one of the local colleges, if I'm not mistaken, in Berea they had actually done a Bigfoot hoax and they had these people hiking and they had a guy come out in a Bigfoot suit and kind of scare them. And it was posted on YouTube. Well, you know, people eat it up and they thought it was real. And then later the people come back and, you know, said it was just a college thing they was doing, but uh, hoax and hurts, hurts people who are serious about it. I've been doing this close to 30 years. Uh, i take it seriously. I, I like to have a little fun too. Don't get me wrong, but, I, I think if you're hoaxing and stuff, you're really doing damage to the legitimacy of of the subject. It is a field of
0: science. It's a scientific field. As far as I'm concerned, it's, I mean, it's science to a point because you're doing your research, you're gathering evidence and you're putting out your theories. But, you know, sometimes, like I said, it's not a theory if you've seen it. And before we dive into that, so I know you also wrote a lot of books and we could talk about how to get whole of these books so i know that like i said before we get into that if, if you can go on our website the show.com or ucwforever.com if you want to find books or find mr marcus books on these subjects go to our website click on the amazon banner do your normal shopping you know login as everything and make that purchase download these books read them order the paper books if you want it helps the diego and divorce to keep this machine rolling so actually we need to start replacing some of this equipment that keeps crapping on on us so visit the diego and divorce com or ucwforever.com click on that and click i almost said invicta another thank you to invicta but we'll talk about that some other day click on that amazon banner make your purchase and you'll really be helping the show so back to you thomas uh, <laughs> i got my uh sponsors all mixed up let's go because i was talking about the books you know, we were talking about the dvd you put out recently right, yeah. bigfoot the legend is real Correct. Give us a little insight on that DVD, because it looks fascinating from what I saw
1: on your Facebook post. Okay, I I started filming this actually in uh, 2018. We just finished it up and released it in late 2020. But we did a lot of interviews for this. We've done a lot of filming for this, and of course, you know, part of this was we didn't get to really do some of the things we wanted to because COVID hit, and of course, we were you couldn't get out and do anything. But uh, in this film, you'll find several witnesses that have never told their story before that, they're, that are very compelling. Uh, we have some clips in there of actual, real, breathing Sasquatch that was shot in Canada uh, by a friend of mine. Uh, the, the film is available on Amazon, Tubi TV, uh, vivid space and we got it on dvd and blu-ray if you know if you want it but uh it's doing it's doing pretty well and if you really want, you know if you want to go on to amazon you can usually type my name in and it'll bring up the majority of the projects and stuff you know i've worked on
0: right but if let's say if some folks may not want to go to the amazon they want to go straight to you and say so How can I go on your website, buy it from you? I know it's thecryptocrew.com,
1: right? Yeah, you can go there, and we have a link to a store. Or you can actually go uh, – got a little publishing website also where I publish things for clients. Uh, We have it in the store there. It's uh, uh, zombiemediapublishing.com. You can go there and click on the store and you can buy a whole bunch of stuff, books, DVDs, and, and you know, or you people can con- contact me directly if they want to, and I'll, I'll deal with them that way.
0: Right. So through your social medias, I know you have a, a Twitter. So tell us about the Twitter and your Facebook, if you don't mind.
1: Uh, yeah, I got Facebook, Twitter, and of course, we got a YouTube channel. If you go to thecryptocrew.com, uh, on the left side of the page is a link to most of our social media, but uh, everything I'd basically do is pretty much public so if you go to facebook and, and just go to my profile you'll you'll find my poster public i very rarely do i censor anything or you know make anything private because uh, i just you know i want to get it out there and i don't have anything to hide uh, i'm honest i don't know how to be so i just don't i don't you know i don't really care about privacy they're going to see it anyways you know the people right the big tech's going to see it anyway so I, why should i care if uh joe blow down the street sees it <laughs>
0: they already know skynet already knows yep (laughs) there's so much information we had to cram in such a short amount of time so a person in your field you come across a lot of folks that probably give you a lot of flack or try to discredit your character especially online with the days we're living at now i don't want to get too much into it because what kind of feedback have you received through all your i mean you've done at least 20 over 20 years of because i read up on you of studying this and being in the field so if you can give us a couple of good things that come out of it, and then a few things of the negative?
1: Well, uh, a lot of good things. You know, to me, the good things really outweigh the negative. Uh, I've I've met a lot of great people. I've got to go to a lot of great events, uh, you know, meet celebrities and people who, uh, you know, wrote books and knows more than I do, and, I, you know, get to bounce ideas off of them and, and, and grow myself and grow my knowledge. And if I can grow my knowledge, that lets me help other people who, you know, that maybe I can help them in some way, help their knowledge. Uh, of course, there's negative, negatives on it when I, for a long time, uh, some of my family thought I was crazy because I believed in Bigfoot. And I will mm-hmm. give you a real good example. Uh, my dad, for 64 years before he had his sighting, many years he kind of poked good fun at me. Like, you know, he's my, he's my dad. He wouldn't intentionally hurt me, but he kind of poked harmless fun at me. And then when he had his sighting, he came came to my house and said, uh, come out here. I want to talk to you. And I just thought, you know, he'd been having heart trouble, and I thought he'd got bad news on his heart. So I went outside and sat on the porch with him, and he said, I seen a Bigfoot. And I said, you seen a what? He said, I seen a Bigfoot. And he told me about where it was at and, and all that. And I said, well, why did you wait so long to tell me? He said, to be honest with you, I was ashamed because I'd made fun of you for so long. I was ashamed to come and tell you I actually saw one. And uh, me and him actually went out a few times together before he had his heart surgery. And, uh, but sometimes that's what it takes is a person to actually see one to become a believer. But the negativity really hinders witnesses coming forward. I've talked to a lot of people off the record who didn't want to go public because maybe they're afraid that their job. It would be, may cost them their job or they'd get harassed, you know, out in public. Or, And some of them are religious people. Some of them maybe work at, you know, the courthouse or a policeman or something like that. And they don't want the negative comments and stuff associated mm-hmm. with their job or their profession. And that's understandable because we do get that. You have to kind of develop a thick skin. I, I never was a real thick skinned person. Uh, kind of wore my feelings on my sleeves, you know, growing up. So, you know, over time, you have to kind of just let that stuff go on by and, and just do your thing.
0: Like we talked about earlier, I mean, seen as believing. So no amount of negative feedback is going to get you to unbelieve something you've already seen. Right. Before we go, I know that we talked a lot about the Bigfoot, but you touched on something while we were talking earlier before the show, that there's been a lot of sightings of, uh, I'm gonna say, I don't know, a lot might be, but there's been several sightings of Lights or UFOs down in your area? Is that a, is that true? Uh,
1: yeah. Actually, over the years, that's kind of what started me on this path of being into the weird stuff. When I was a young kid, probably eight, ten year old, I seen some lights in the sky. Uh, didn't know what they were. I know I remember it seemed like it made the newspaper and and stuff like that. And then from that, it kind of evolved into like a ghost and things like that. And over over my lifetime, I've seen numerous UFOs. Uh, I'll briefly tell you about my latest one that I saw about about three years ago, maybe. I was actually out in the daytime on my ATV, and I'd been out Bigfoot scouting around for tracks and things like that. And I was on my way home, and I was coming down this real steep old mining road. And uh, I was way on top of the mountain. I looked up in the sky. There was this silver... It looked like a silver ball, kind of, kind of, it was way up in the air, but it was coming my direction. And I was on the hill and the ATV doesn't have very good brakes. And I was trying to stop the ATV and trying to get my camera out and I couldn't do it. And I was still afraid to look away because I didn't want to miss what it was doing. Well, this silver ball, as it's coming toward me, it kind of veers to its right, which would be my left. And as it veered that way, it became transparent. It looked like a blow bubble. If you've ever used blow bubbles, it kind of looked like that. You could see the outer edge, mm-hmm. but you could also see through it. And then as it completed the turn, you could not see it at all. All you could see was the blue sky. Uh, that was pro- that was the latest uh, one I've had, the most recent, I would imagine. So what are you seeing this orb or
0: the ATV suffer any sort of power loss or anything like that? Because normally when you talk about a sighting, somebody driving a vehicle or some sort of machine it, the, there's power failure it goes out completely was there anything like that
1: well i actually the atv it's uh the carburetors don't hardly work the way it really should so if you just kind of let it let off the throttle it'll kind of die anyway so it kind of died anyways and i i would be afraid to guess how large this was but it was, it was pretty good size uh, and it the definitely when it was the silver, it was a metallic looking uh, like a metal. Uh, and it, as it moved, I could say it became transparent, but you could see the outer rim like it, like a bubble, like you, you know, kids blow bubbles that you, that you use. I was glad to have the siding, but I was kind of a little bit aggravated because I couldn't get my camera out because you know, I've had my camera handy, but I'd already. You know, I was on my way home. I wasn't really thinking a whole lot about having my camera ready to go.
0: Truthfully, you're not out there driving a vehicle and having something ready because you know there'll be a UFO today. If it happens, it's not like you get a warning, you know. So right. with, with that, with with the sphere, did it just come out of a like a thin air kind of thing? Or did you see the the, orig- the origination of where it came from?
1: Well, as I was looking in the sky, I just kind of looked and there it was. So I, I really don't know, uh, you know, whether it just appeared or was already moving and I just happened to see it. Uh, that road coming down that hill is really kind of rough. It's not really, it's not used anymore. It's not been used really in years, so the rain and water really got the rocks and stuff, you know, big rocks all over it. So you kind of have to go kind of slow, but uh, it was really rough. So I got, you know, that's something uh, I got to see that uh, that it's it sticking in your mind once you see something like that, or a Bigfoot, or a ghost, or anything like that. If, if it's really a, a real thing, it, it sticks with you.
0: Oh yeah, you'll never forget it. And I know that um, we're coming close to the end. And I know, and I would love to have you back, cause I know we also talked about some paranormal experiences that you've had and books you're written written on that. If you could just give us like like in two minutes, just give us a a tease for we having back next time or what we'll be talking about.
1: Okay, uh, I've been interested in ghosts for a very long time. Uh, after my grandmother died, we actually moved in her house about a year or so later, and uh it's a very active house as far as activity. Uh, my mom and dad actually live in it now, and it still has activity. So I wrote a book about that. But also, I've been to several uh, paranormal—I guess you call them hot spots—or and made several paranormal films. Uh, one of which was the uh, Monroe House, in Indiana, which we stayed all night in. It was which really a fantastic thing. And there's some good stories I could tell you about about both of those that would make uh, probably a pretty good show because it's some interesting stuff that really, really happened. And uh, it's just it's just, it's amazing. I can look back on it now and just see that it was amazing. And I wished I knew back then what I know now so I could have reacted different and better and maybe got, you know, some better evidence of it. That's one of the things I had not get. Ex- I mean, I have, but not to that extent. But I'll tell you
0: some of my stories next time. So one more time. So the the dot com and you will find all your books there as well, as the DVDs and more information on you and your team. Hopefully, once this curse that we have of COVID goes away, what are the plans for 2021? What kind of um, projects do you have and and what investigations you have coming up?
1: Well, currently, I also uh, investigate here in my local area. You know, they they cannot stop me on COVID on that because I can just go out in the middle of the forest. I kind of live back in the middle of nowhere. But I have got a a book I'm working on right now for a client. Uh, It's a Bigfoot book. Called Sasquatch Family Ties, and it's a really amazing book and an amazing story, and it's true. Some of the footage that we use in our Bigfoot film was captured by the by Leo Frank, which is who is, this book is for, that who has wrote the book. Uh, I've also got some video projects I'm working on. I've got uh, season three of Almost Live Bigfoot and Beyond. I'm working on that. I've got Bigfoot Witness Two, the Jason Morris story which took place in New Hampshire, which he is a temp- team member of ours, which has also uh, got some good photographic evidence. And uh, I'm also working on a, uh, I hope to get it out this year, a Bigfoot coloring and activity book that we have several artists involved in that's uh, that, uh, shaping up. I've got a lot of it already done. It's just a matter of getting it all put together and actually taking it to press and getting it out. But all that stuff, hopefully, should be available on uh, Amazon and various other places.
0: Great. And hopefully, once you release those projects, come on the show, we'll definitely promote that. We'll get into it. And um, I'm sorry we didn't have more time. Our guest tonight, Thomas Markham, the founder of the Crypto Crew. The website is thecryptocrew.com. Please check out his books and his latest DVD, Bigfoot: The Legend is Real. So we touched on a lot of subjects today. So looking forward for our next time we have you on. so Before we go, folks, please visit our website, thediegoanddivorceshow.com. Visit our fine sponsors. Click on the the banner. Buy yourself, buy a wife, buy your husband, buy your boyfriend, buy your girlfriend a nice watch. Get yourself a beautiful watch. Click on that Invicta banner. i also like to thank the folks at Amazon for helping us out. Go to the thediegoanddivorceshow.com and ucwforever.com. Click on that Amazon banner, shop like normal, and uh, you'll be helping us greatly. Again, uh, Mr. Markham, thank you again for being on the show, and then uh, hopefully next time the gremlins won't attack me again with my technical difficulties. It happens each time we
1: cover a subject like this. Thanks again for being on the show. and look forward to having you later down the line. Thanks for having me, and I can't wait to come back and uh, you know get into some more stuff. I, I enjoy it. I enjoy talking to people about it and telling them about my experiences and hearing other people's experiences. So so just pencil me in, man. I'll get I'll get back. Definitely
0: perfect. We definitely appreciate that. Thank you, folks, once again for listening to another episode of the Diego and Divorce Show. And I'll say it one more time. Please visit our website, thediegoanddivorceshow.com, or listen to us on Anchor Radio Spreaker spotify and i find a whole bunch of other places that you can listen to us and we really appreciate all the downloads each download helps us tremendously and also apple Podcasts. so with that we don't have the big guy to flex his titanium pipes and taking it home so until next time we'll catch you later visit thecryptocrew.com your number one source for cryptozoology and paranormal research that's thecryptocrew.com the Crypto Crew is a research group led by Thomas Markham that investigates and documents things like Bigfoot, UFOs, ghosts, and just general weird things. They've won several awards. Check out the website today. That's thecryptocrew.com. The Diego and Divorce Show. Every week, co-host Diego and Lord DeVore talk about pro wrestling, paranormal, entertainment, and beyond. Catch them on anchor.fm slash Diego dash DeVore Show. Spotify, Good Pods, Google Podcasts, or your favorite listening platform. Learn more at facebook.com slash Diego and DeVore Show or on Twitter at Diego and DeVore. It's not just a podcast. They are the Diego and DeVore Show.